0: Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and welcome to The Ziggler Show. In this episode, what would you ask Zig Ziglar? If you had his attention all to yourself, what area of life or business would you ask Zig's counsel on? I mean, few people on earth have been sought after for their guidance more than Zig Ziglar. So I asked the question, if you could have a one-hour consultation... With Zig Ziglar, what area of life or business would you get his advice on? The responses covered such issues as faith and sales, relationships, working with family, regrets, self-image, and a lot more. The responses were so many and just so significant we felt. Tom Ziegler and I spent nearly an hour and 45 minutes addressing them, enough to turn this into a two-part show. This honestly may be some of the best of Ziegler you're going to find. So today is part one. We'll cover part two in episode 792. So we'll get started with a 50-second clip from Zig where he states what people most want from life. Then get into your responses right after I let you know what's happening for you at Ziggler and share some great products and services with you. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
1: Now, as we look at our session today, let's identify again what it is that everybody wants. Everyone wants to be happy. They want to be healthy. They want to be at least reasonably prosperous. They want to be secure. They want to have friends. They want to have peace of mind. They want to have good family relationships. And by all means, they want to have hope. Well, now, the question is simply this. If you want those things, did you specifically identify all of them as goals and write them down. Very important question. Second question, did you list the benefits of all of those? Now that's a very important point.
0: Well, Tom, this question, so insightful. Uh, I simply ask if you could have a one hour consultation with Zig Ziglar, what area of life or business would you get his advice on? And it was powerful. Some of, the, some of it, um, you will hear some threads here of what people share, uh, but they hit some good aspects. I think most people will relate. I'll just jump in. Uh, Jeff here, he says, I would ask him how to be a better leader in my family and in my home. There's tons of information out there today on leadership in the work environment. I think too many men shy away from being leaders in their family. This is something I'm working on in my own life. I'd love to hear Zig's thoughts on the subject, spiritual, financial, physical, relationships, etc. In my home, I strive to show my son how to be a good man, and I strive to show my daughter how she deserves to be treated and loved. We could all use improvement in this area. There is no end game. And there were some other people after that that said, absolutely, I'd love to hear more on that as well. And, you know, Tom, that is, it's my experience of Zig. He was one of the few people who commanded a stage talking about, you know, whether it was sales or business success and personal development, but he so deftly married that with, just ha- having good character being of course a good person and uh th- you know as, as we've always said nobody's to fill his shoes we do our our best to continue that legacy here
1: you know one of the things that that dad talked about all the time is you f- you first have to lead yourself hmm. and then you lead your family and by the way he wasn't talking about a certain age or a certain gender or anything like that he was he was basically passing on ownership of the responsibility of leadership to every person who actually heard his voice or read his words. Yeah. And so we start with uh, leading ourselves, leading our family, and then we lead in the community, we lead at work, we, we lead wherever we go. And there was a time, and I think it was in the 80s, um, and the, the, the question was, you know, there was a lot of public debate about principles and values you know like are these family values and are these leadership values or are these business values and what dad said is there is no such thing there's values and they apply to all of it so we can't have a certain way of leading at work from a from a value from a character perspective yeah that's different than the way we lead at home or the way we lead ourselves. It's gotta be the same.
0: I, I think that right there is profound. I hope everybody hears that, that we start off how to be, as Jeff said, how to be a better leader in my family and in my home is how we lead ourselves. And I actually know Jeff's a, a frequent responder to our questions here. He's a, a guy who is le- striving to lead himself well. Uh, Evan here, he says, man, regardless, he, what he would like to know is regardless of the circumstances, how to live in peace and grow as a person in the area of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. And, you know, for the podcast, I started off with just a short clip from Zig where he talks about, hey, most everybody wants to be happy, to be healthy, reasonably prosperous, secure, have friends, have peace of mind, good family relationships, and hope. But that What is it? The one, two, three, four, five, six, one there. Peace of mind. And Evan says how to have peace and grow. uh, How to have peace regardless of the circumstances. That one has been just high on my mind lately, Tom. Just looking at that and saying, what does give us peace of mind? Because no matter what, what do I want most of all? And in a given moment, I want to just have joy, regardless of the circumstances. I want to have peace, regardless of the circumstances. And I, I see that come. I use the word more and more of just fulfillment. We want to be fulfilled in these areas to feel like we are creating value, to feel like we are making progress uh, in, in whatever area it is. And, and fulfillment is just a good word. And I, but I look at that and go, gosh, if there's an area I don't have peace in why am i am i fulfilled probably not and why not why what am i missing
1: so how come you throw me the hard questions
0: because you're the man (laughs) you actually carry the ziggler name i'm 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 you know i'm not quite there
1: well i'll just give you a little bit of background on kind of dad's journey uh you know he grew up in yazoo city mississippi Uh, it was the heart of the great depression and he he told, you know he even writes about it in his book, See at the Top and in his speeches. He was the little guy from the little town with little dreams. I mean, that's who yeah. he was. And you know, his mom, his dad died when he was five, so he was raised by a single mom. He was the 10th to 12 kids, he didn't do well in school. So, so I want you to get his mindset, okay? His, his, and so everything about him was, okay, how am I going to survive this, right? Because it, it was about survival. And people back then, they were just working so hard, just trying to get to the next day that that's really what they thought about. He gets out of the Navy, he gets a little bit of school, he he starts a job uh, selling door to door. And a mentor there, somebody he looked up to, pulled him aside at a meeting and said, Zig, in all my years, I've never seen such a waste. But if you believed in yourself and went to work on a regular schedule, you could be a champion. And so dad took those words and it was a mindset. And I want, I want everybody to hear the, the journey. So the mindset shift went from, you know, I'm not performing because I'm a little guy from a little town. Who's gonna buy from me to wait a second, somebody I admire and respect says I could be a champion if I just believed in myself. And so that's when he got laser focused on what does it mean to believe in yourself? You know, that's when he started reading like Norman Vincent Peale and and those kind of things. And so he had a, a rapid rise in his trajectory. You know, from the world standpoint, he started having a great deal of success. But the problem was, is the success would come and it would go because he would make these, you know, kind of knee jerk decisions to go chase the greener grass. And then in 1972, that's when his faith came into play. That's when he became a born again christian and the reason why he did everything suddenly changed it took on a big purpose a big why and so i think in that journey he went from a little guy from a little town who couldn't do much to somebody who could do a lot but what's the purpose to now he's got a north star he's got a reason yeah. he's got a purpose and so where does the peace of mind come in the more he would focus in on, okay, wh- why am I here? And what's my value? And his value, dad never felt like his value is, was in what he did, right? It, he didn't get his value from his work. Uh, he certainly didn't get his value from the material things that he had, but he got his value from a belief in God that he was created for a purpose, and his purpose was to help other people be, do, and have more than they thought possible. Yeah. And so, whenever the, the storm would come, and by the way, it came, I you know, when my sister when, when my sister Susie passed away, that was 25 years ago. I mean, any parent, uh, I can't yeah. I, I can't even relate because I have not lost a child. What a parent goes through when they do that. So the storms hit him just like everybody else but his peace of mind was unshakable because of his belief and his ability to focus in on, not on the problem, not on, you know, all the things that are going wrong, but on what he could do. Yeah. And ultimately when there was nothing he could do about it, he was able to, to transfer that, give that to, to God basically. And so and that's a journey. I wish there was an in- easy answer to peace of mind, but we all struggle with that. We all have to go on that journey. But that was the example that I saw dad set. Yeah,
0: I right. well, And obviously he was profound in that. That's what made him the man that he is and the legacy that we're continuing on here. You know, Clinton Rowe actually asked, he's one of the people and he asked about or he said, that's what I would ask Zig is is about faith and grief. Uh and on, on grief, and you mentioned the death of your sister. That's when he wrote the book. What was it, Confessions of a Grieving Christian? Is that correct? Which folks you can that's go. Correct. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull out as we go along here. You know, as people are asking, you know, the, here's where I'd ask. Here's, here's an area I would ask Zig. If there's a resource that we have that Ziggler has that can fulfill that, we'll let you know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share those. Uh, those resources and promote those as well so confessions of a green christian you can go to com, hit the products page and find that book there where he goes through talking about the reality of this guy and i you know one of the things with zig that he was so as confident as he was he was also such a humble real person and he talks about his struggles uh, along the way so there's a powerful one for anyone dealing with grief um, steve here he says I would ask Zig what did you leave unfinished that you would like us to continue working on in your absence and I thought about that and I can envision Zig hovering you know over the over his funeral probably a guy who was grateful for what he had accomplished not a lot of of regrets necessarily and feeling pretty fulfilled with what he had done but I also like that I don't know that I can't see him also as a guy who ever got to a point of going, I'm done. He was never done. He always had more. So I like the question, Tom, what did he leave unfinished? What did he want to do more of that he would want us to continue working on in his absence? What's the first thing that comes to mind?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is I watched uh, dad age. Okay. So when I became aware uh, and Dad was in his fifties, okay because he was thirty six when I was born, so i 'm kind of a late uh, in the in the spectrum my My closest sister julie 's almost ten years older than me, but as he progressed from his fifties to his sixties to his seventies, uh, every year it seemed like his sense of urgency went up hmm. and and the reason was real simple: he knew he had less time. Right. He had these 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 things he wanted to accomplish, but he knew is, you know, like all of us, (laughs) every day that we're here is one less day of our total. Right. We don't know when the end is, but we know that. So he knew he had less time. And I think what he would say would be what he would say is this, that he was able to accomplish everything that God intended for him to accomplish because he was so diligent on staying focused on what that main thing is. But his sense of urgency was, hey, look, there's one more person that needs to be reached. What else can I do? That's what drove him to continually create, to speak, to write, to to pour into people. And that's why when you, when you spent time with dad, whether uh, it was at a lunch or you know saying hello in a parking lot to somebody who recognized him, he was like all in, 100% focused on that. Uh, and for those of you who met uh, dad and maybe got an autograph or spoke to him, you'll know what I'm talking about. He yeah. had this ability just like time would stop and he would pour into you. And so what, is, what, would, what would I say that he thinks is unfinished is he would say, look, <laughs> whether it's me or somebody else, the direction, the path, the things to do, all that's laid out for you. When are you going to pick it up and do the same thing? When are you going to take the ownership and the responsibility to use the gifts that God's given you to go out and make a difference, to be that difference maker in somebody's life, whether it's your child, whether it's, you know, your, your spouse, somebody at school, somebody you work with. And so the unfinished part is really now, what are you going to, what are you doing? What are you doing next? Uh, Dad, you know, he loved it when people would say, "Hey, you helped me achieve this." Uh, but man, his joy would go through the roof when somebody would say, "Hey, I shared what you said with somebody else, and it and it really had an impact on them." Yeah. That is legacy. That's that's transference, right? That is carrying the torch. And so he would ask this question: Are there more people who need to be reached? And if the answer is yes, then we'll get busy. <laughs>
0: Well, and I appreciate you saying that you started that off talking about his sense of urgency. And I mean, you know, again, he was a guy who was at peace, who took time to smell the roses, but he had something he felt called to impart. I want to be that. And, and I think, man, that is not it's not the norm of what I see in our culture especially amongst the aging population they're more prone to slow down fade into the background you know I did my hard work now I'm just gonna gonna hang out but I don't find fulfillment in that It, it may feel comfortable but I don't find fulfillment I want to have something to impart till the end and I know you guys kept him or I, I i facilitated him remaining on stage, writing, doing the things that he did to prolong his life, to prolong his impact, and his yeah, his his imparting. Man, I want to—it's such a great, that's such a great role model uh, for us to for us to follow. Uh, Gregory here, this is good. Tom he says I would simply want to thank. Zig, for the influence he had on me, he introduced me to the world of personal development. As a young kid over 40 years ago, he handed me a signed copy of See You at the Top and around to it. Uh, I still have both. (laughs) Our school did the See You at the Top play uh, for him. I was in the cast. I had no idea at the time what that would mean to me as the years passed. I still have the songs in my head. I, I and I responded to Gregory. I said, "So great to read this, but you know, what would you literally ask him?" And he says, "I believe I would ask about his own self doubt along the journey. How did he push through his upper limit challenges in faces of vulnerability?" And I appreciate that because uh, you know, as we've already mentioned, I mean, Zig, Zig was he wasn't supernatural necessarily. I mean, he was a he was a guy. So self doubt. I mean, you were as intimately connected with him. I mean, you, you were his son and then you worked with him. Uh, You saw most of it and I'm sure you saw moments of that, of self-doubt or, well, I don't know, you, you tell us.
1: Yeah. You know, I wish I could um, articulate a specific instance where I saw a lot of self-doubt and I just, I I didn't see it. I I think he was already at a stage uh, in his life, in his, in his own uh, kind of belief and progression where I didn't see that. But I will tell you that uh, he loved to play golf. And if there's a sport in the world that creates self-doubt, <laughs> that's the sport, okay? And he would he would show up to the golf course, and he would have all of these expectations, and he would have this little card, and the card was a mental checklist of how he was going to think uh, his way through each shot and do all these things. And uh, he would get out there and, you know, he just hit some bad shots <laughs> and he yeah. would just look at me and go, I don't get it. How did that happen? I did everything right. Uh, and so, and then when we would get done, it was, you know, every, you know, we would have good days and, you know, we'd have great days and good days. You know, there was never horrible days, right. Cause we were on the golf course together. But we we would talk about it, and he just, if there was a self-doubt of anything, I think it was around his expectations. Hmm. He had such high expectations for himself and for other people as well. Uh, And by the way, that's a good thing. When you have high expectations for other people, uh, especially if you're in a leadership role, a lot of times they'll step into it. OK, now there's a difference between having high expectations and uh, dangerous, unfounded expectations. Right. Right. Because, you know, we never put somebody in a position where they can, you know, they can torpedo the business or creator crater the team or whatever. Right. We've got to provide the support and make sure that they're, you're there with them to help them grow into that level. Uh, and so if anything, you know, he was always going to be on a scale of one to ten. He wanted to be eleven. Uh, and he's human, and so we don't always hit 10 even. And so temporarily he'd be like, what can I do next time? So I don't know if it was a yeah. self-doubt issue as much as it was you know, getting realistic about expectations. And by the way, um, I don't think dads a f- would, would say that he was a fan of realistic expectations Yeah, because that never changed the world
0: that and that is one that maybe that rubbed off on me i can't get excited by realistic expectations ones that i know i can hit now it's also, it also can be frustrating if you're constantly doing the shoot for the stars thing and you never get close which goes back to your you know ridiculously unrealistic but man i i mean we want to stretch ourselves that's where the that's where the stories the good stories come from you are listening to The Ziglar Show, and the responses to the question, what would you ask Zig Ziglar? Next, a lady says she'd ask how Zig stayed on target with his agenda, his God-given talents and passions, instead of letting others influence him. And as you'll hear, he was influenced. So we'll jump right back in after I share some great products and services with you. which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. You know, in the same, somewhat of the same light here, Jessica, she says, she would ask him, how did he stay on target with his agenda, his God-given talents and his passions? instead of letting others influence him and my first thought is i you know i can imagine him being so stalwart in his faith in his self-image in his belief that he wasn't worried about how people influence him But I also know that myself as a human, I would say that to some degree, a great degree, I hope that I am that way as well. But I'm sometimes surprised at how I will find myself influenced by others or see myself starting to take a a direction or steer in a way and then realize, gosh, I'm doing that because I am somewhat, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pandering to an influence over here and I have to draw myself back and go, God, give me you know, eyes to see what you want me to do, ears to hear what you want me to do. I Man, it's really hard not to be, not only to be influenced by others, but even just influenced by, yeah, sometimes our own errant expectations, high expect, you know, super high expectations, or even just by the culture thinking, gosh, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to, you know, progress in my work. I'm supposed to get a promotion. I'm supposed to make more money. I'm supposed to, and we should as the, you know, the cliche goes, we should on ourselves. That's an influence. And I would say we're at a time right now where, well, we have to be because we're exposed to so many people, to so much media, it is probably harder than ever to not be influenced by other people or just the culture and outside circumstances.
1: I think there was a couple of things. Uh, Number one is his passion and his gift was making speeches and writing books and so he would go out into the world and he would make a speech and then he would get all that feedback and he learned early on his career even before he was a public speaker uh he he once said that he did about three thousand presentations before ever he got paid for one and that's because he was in direct sales and he was doing dinner parties around cookware well, when you do the same presentation a couple hundred times, uh, three thousand present, and so what he would focus in on was the reaction, the body language, the facial yeah. expressions, the way people would lean in or lean out, and so whenever Dad would craft a new idea, and he was delivering it on stage, he was in that rare position where he was he was you know just so skilled, so professional that he wasn't. He, he was focused on how are the people receiving this, okay? So he would take that feedback, that information of what was resonating, what was making a difference, what was having an impact from thousands of people, and he would combine it with every single day he would spend the first two to three hours in study, right? Learning something new, studying God's word, doing those things. And I think that combination did the 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 had the dual thing of number one i start my day found you know foundationally in the truth right yeah. and so when we anchor ourselves in the truth you know we might get blown a little bit by the wind uh but we're not going too far if we do that every day and second he knew where he needed to go next and so he was combining the truth with the problems that people had yeah and and so he would just say okay how do I get from here to here? And so that's, that's one area where he really kept uh, what I would say, not just negative influences out of his life, but the alternative of giving up the best path for a good path, right? Yeah. Because we all face that. The other thing is he had help. Um, dad was a salesman. And so because of that, he loved to be sold. Hmm. And so people would get him with a great idea. And before you know it, he would be all in. Okay. And so, (laughs) and so then the rabbit trail would begin, right? Because I've got to pursue something outside of my focus that's close. And that's why I like it, but it's not exactly what we do. And so he came back to us and he said, look, I need help. Yeah. And so we loaded him up with a bunch of cards from Lori Majors, his personal assistant. And anytime somebody would come to him and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this, he would say, fantastic. And he'd give him the card, set this up, run it by the team at the office. And if they think it makes sense, we'll we'll do it. Yeah. Okay. And so that, so how do we get, how do we keep ourselves from getting blown off course? We get help. The other thing he did is he set boundaries. And so he would not go into situations that was outside of the boundaries that he set. And everybody knows, if you know Zig Ziglar, you know, this one, he would never have a meeting one-on-one with somebody the opposite sex. Yeah. Right. You know, there'd be other people in the meeting. And then that's just, that's just how we did it. And so, so that kept him out of situations either by appearance or anything else. It uh, kept him on track. And so that's why boundaries are, are, are really, really good. Uh, I'll just do a shout out um, I just listened to a podcast by Kyle Wilson uh, interviewing Darren Hardy. Darren has some fantastic ideas on <laughs> really how to keep the main thing, the main thing. Uh, so if you want to study that, that's, that's a good place to go. But dad's dad's influence was, was bottom line. I'm going to ground myself in the truth every day. Yeah. And that's my number one defense. You know, you talked about his
0: uh, his work to master, you know, what he did, being on stage. Uh, Terry Johnson here says, I would want his learnings on how to be a great storyteller. He was the best at turning complex topics into simple, impactful life lessons. And I, I think in the past years, I've continued to hear more and more and more about the value of storytelling in whatever we're doing but you know in our businesses to do that it's a difficult one for me because that is not my natural inclination I'm more I like bullet points I'm, I'm happy to just write everything in bullet points I can write plenty but story form doesn't come to me naturally and yet I love a good story um, I know that's what enraptures mean. It does most people. So that is something that, uh, you know, there's a, there's some great people out there. Uh, Don, Donald Miller is one. We've had him on the show, I think, a couple times. And his last book was, was it Story Brand? Was that the last book? Story Brand. Where he talks about that specifically for businesses, for your website, for how are you telling a story and making your customer the hero of this story. And it's just... Uh, this it's behavioral psychology. This is what people tune into. So we're best to do that. Obviously, Zig did that uh, to an incredible degree. You know, on that, was that something specifically? Was he? I think most people would say, I was probably just a natural born storyteller, you know, guy from the South, that Southern draw. That's probably what he did. I'm assuming that he crafted and practiced
1: those stories ad nauseum. He, um, nobody even really knows how much he practiced everything. Um, he, he had this constant idea of, I can tell it a little bit better. I can make it more succinct. I can create more power in it. And then he would, he would hone that story and hone that story and hone that story. But ultimately, every story he ever did was designed to get someone to take action for their benefit. So think about that. You know, it's, it's awesome to be a great storyteller and there's a lot of great storytellers, but as good as they are, they're not telling the story to, to inspire, motivate someone to take action for their own benefit, like, like dad did. So, and I'll just give you an example. Um, When he got started off in, in cookware business, I was working for a company called salad master and they do the big heavy duty stainless steel cookware, uh, in, people you know we've talked to people yeah i bought it 50 years ago i think i may have bought it from your dad and we still use it every day okay so salad master got their name from this machine it was called the salad master and it had this crank on it okay mm-hmm. and the crank you'd put this this uh, uh disc on it and you could put the lettuce the had of lettuce on it and crank it and it would shave it you could do zucchini or carrots yeah, yeah. or whatever right you'd make the salad And so he would do these uh, dinner parties and one of the questions that people would ask is, is that is that thing sharp enough to cut you? Right. And it's kind of like an objection, like, is that really safe? Yeah. And so he would say, oh, let me give you the perfect instructions. He'd say, so when you're cranking it, what you do is you put your finger in here and the blood comes out down here. (laughs) and of course everybody at the table would just start cracking up right you know because and that was what a 10 second story yeah you know because he was putting them in the situation that's what stories do is they they wrap you into the situation you feel like you're part of the scene and so when I was studying the influence of Zig Ziglar I asked myself this question, how come people will see uh, Speaker A and they'll take all these notes and then, and they'll say, how was it? And they'll say, it was fantastic. The best speaker I've ever heard. And then six months later, they never took action on it. Yeah. And then they would hear Zig Ziglar and they would take notes. And six months later, their life is totally changed because they took action on it. And I started studying why, you know, what is that? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because he told stories about all the problems and challenges that he had and how he overcame them. And what what happens then is you become real, you become transparent, and the people in the audience are like, this is what they literally think in their own mind. Wow. If he can, maybe I can't. And you say, that's called identity. And so a great storyteller will put themselves in the middle of a number of stories that make you identify with them. And if they have a transformational change, if their life turns around, then that inspires you and gives you hope to go and try what they did. And there's there's validation and research that backs us up. And so, yeah, you've got to be a great storyteller. You've got to weave yourself into your own stories. And there's got to be a motive or a reason behind it that gets someone to take action for their own benefit. And then you got to practice it like crazy.
0: Well, and I wanted to hit on that too, Tom, because I I, I think even myself, I viewed that as, gosh, people who tell stories well. They just tell stories well. So put them in any environment, any conversation, they're going to tell stories well. And that—that that is not everybody, and it shouldn't be everybody. That's not everybody's skill set, and I have—that's uh, not mine. And I have skill sets elsewhere. I'm good at communicating. I'm good at making a point. I don't tend to do that well. But in a in a place where you're going to present to some to, to people where you do want to hook their interest than what you just said. I mean, it's just, uh, it is what it is. and, And stories resonate. The good speakers that I know, including Zig Ziglar, including you, you nail some stories and you tell them over and over and over. I mean, how many times did Zig tell the story of priming the pump? I mean, he knew that when he could say that in his sleep. And I got to see that as he was older, and, you know, having some memory loss, but man, you get him on the right track and he'll tell that story and nail it like he did thousands of times on the stage. And so I want people to hear that, that if you're in a place where you are going to be speaking, you're going to be presenting and you're hearing the power of story then have a few, a, a, a two stories have three have four. something that relates to your topic that does just what you said tom and know those things write them repeat them practice them to where you just know that and you may not be naturally uh, in in the entirety of your life a great storyteller but you have a couple stories you can tell greatly that
1: is something that even i can do Uh, and so i'm working on that myself and i would i would tell people who are listening and watching this on facebook maybe the greatest tool asset, uh, connector you have is your own story. Yeah. And when you're willing to share, uh, transparently, some of the difficulties you've had, some of the doubts that you've had, and then share how you got some outside information, maybe a family member, a mentor, a book, whatever the case is, uh, helped you out, got you thinking differently, and you tried something different, and then you got a different result, that's how you can really influence and impact others to do something different and change their lives. So your story is, golly, it's, it's you know, it's a lot of times people go, oh yeah, well, my story doesn't matter. I'm telling you, your story matters, and there are people in the world who are gonna resonate more with your story than anybody else's. Well, okay, I I, I, want to add even even more to that, you know, doing that, because I would
0: tend to do that, Tom. I just don't think of my own stories. We did a show together, man, in the past month, maybe a month ago or something like that. And I told a story, a cycling story. And you said, Kevin, I've known you all these years. I didn't know that story. Um, You know, in everything, I'm realizing everything that I know, everything that I know that I want to impart, it came from a story. I live in a story. And, I, and I've had to have people kind of tell me that it, it, you live in a story that experience what you know that thing that you want to offer it came from a story what was the story how did you figure that out oh well I was working here or I did this or I what it's a story I mean that's all we're talking about so it is the, na- the nature of it it's helping me right now in writing a book and I've got you know folks helping me with that and they're 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 prone to if I don't put the story in to pull something out and go okay so I get the point where did that come from oh Okay. Well, and, and it generally is a story that I, uh, lived out or I, you know, I experienced it, or it may even be a story, uh, that's highly relevant. That's somebody that I had on the show. It's a guest that I heard their story, man, it was powerful. And you do that plenty of times. So did Zig and tell they tell a story about somebody else. It wasn't their specific story that they lived out, but they heard it and man, it, it related to that point. So, man, good. We could do a whole show on story.
1: I know. Uh, just to give you a little bit of feedback on your story, uh, this is what happens a lot is is somebody will say, they'll tell their story or they'll say, yeah, a few years ago, I ran into this guy that I work with and this and this happened and this happened. And it's a 30-second story. And at the end of it, you're like, that happened? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, what we coach people on, this is one of the things that we, we do at Ziegler uh, in our Speakers Institute is, and this is what I would tell you, because in your story, Kevin, I remember it. You said, hey, I was cycling and Mm -hmm. the big dogs were there, right? The the world-class recognized leaders were there and they broke away from the pack and you decided to try to keep up, Mm -hmm. right? So if I was coaching you on telling that story, I would say, Kevin, you need to tell me those names and why were they the big dogs? Mm -hmm. And you could say, oh, you know, where they were this team and this team finished second in the Tour de France the year before. And they were training to get prepared for this next race. Mm-hmm. You see all of that's context for me that allows me to see how your jump in cycling went from above average to top tier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because an above average mindset sees a champion, an above average golfer, a scratch amateur plays golf with Tiger Woods and they, they get smoked. Right until they figure out, wait a second, I just gotta play my game. I just gotta go all in. I gotta practice as much as he does and then we'll see what happens, Yeah, right? And that's what your story really said. So for those of you who are using story to influence, man, don't tell me about a guy at work who told you this Tell me about, you know, Jose, who's been at your office for three years and is always, you know, bringing these bits in and he comes to you and says, blah, blah, blah. Why is that? Because in my mind, I've now got a picture of Jose and because I have a picture of Jose, I am more likely to remember that story when a situation similar to that arises in my own life. And if I could remember the story, I might just use whatever wisdom you gave me to help me get through it. Yep.
0: Well, again, I would say become a student of it folks, especially if you're like me and it is not your nature. So that is one resource I know is uh, Donald Miller's story brand and he that in that book, but there's other people who are teaching this, but man, such a powerful, powerful value for our lives, for our businesses. Uh, You know, Brian here, he says, I would talk with Zig about Christ. He had such a deep passion for Christ. And the thing that stands out always has to me is how he shared that passion for Christ so respectfully, so tactfully. And again, we're in a time where it is, it's almost impossible to talk about anything of value and remain quote politically correct i mean you're just you're going to offend somebody and, and I don't want to offend somebody. If I offend them, I now don't have influence on them. I don't want to do that. Now I'm not going to just be silent so I don't offend anybody because then I'm not saying anything. So I think one of the realities is if you are going to talk, you probably are going to offend some people because we have a growing number of people who are looking to be offended. And if they're looking to be offended, they will find offense uh, somewhere, somehow, even if it is turning something completely you know, upside down. But Zig, he did, he, with so much love and grace, kind of like back to you, the highest, the highest standards and the deepest grace, uh, he shared the reality of Christ in his life. He didn't push it on people. And because of that, he had followers and peers, as I saw and as you know better than anyone, Tom, of all different faiths and beliefs who so respected and oftentimes were attracted to Zig's faith, and uh, what uh, there's a there's a what what book? Yeah, speaking of resources, would really get into that the most. Tom, do you know? I mean, I know the autobiography. It's one of my favorites. It's just Zig's autobiography talks about it.
1: Right, pretty much all of them will. Uh, he wrote a book early on called "Confessions of a Grieving" or of a Happy Christian. Yeah, which is a a really really good book. Uh, and he also, he did, uh, so many things in his, in, in his presentations and his audios. But here's the thing is he would, he would say things like, uh, the family and backstage, he would say, you know, I just share God's truth and love. Uh, I want people to want what I have. And so because of that, he never approached or never said anything to down mouth or say anything negative about anybody else's faith or what their beliefs are or where they come in because everybody's different in their journey. And because of that, he had friends of every faith ground background all over the world who loved and admired and respected him or say anything him negative and wanted about. to be more like him, even though they had different experiences. Uh, and, yeah. and also because of that, uh, he was, he was able to go and speak to us anywhere he went. Uh,
0: yeah. And, and, uh, and folks, I apologize. The, the, you're hearing the uh, background noise right there. I was trying to reply. There's people on Facebook who are listening to this live who are replying and responding about Zig sharing Christ and how it impacted the lives. And I can't, I, I don't know how to reply to it. If I hit to try to reply, uh, it starts the audio feed. So I can't do that. Well, I'll try to hit some of those after, after we're done here. Um, you know, Thomas here says, how to handle and deal with regret. And Tom, I, that, I, regret is an interesting issue for me because we have a lot of people who are killing themselves with constant guilt and regret that is minimizing them. We don't want that. Then we send, tend to have the other side uh, of people where there are no regrets, no regrets. I personally live in, uh, in between there somewhere. Because I look back and there are things that I have done. And there are things that I will do, I'm sure, that I regret. They were not bad decisions. They were me going awry. They hurt people and they hurt me. And I would not go back and do that again. Even though most of the time I find, I hope, hopefully all the time, but most of the time, if I look back, especially at the biggest ones that I have, there's incredible redemption and it's, it's made me who I am today. It's helped me have what wisdom I have today is, is oftentimes from those things that did not go well. And so I'm grateful for those. they they've been redeemed, but to not have any regret and, and maybe with semantics, I'm playing with a word, you know, I shouldn't have guilt maybe, but however you want to phrase it, there are things in my past that I am not necessarily, I'm not happy that I did. I would not repeat them. Can I say that? I would not repeat them, even though there's great redemption. And I know that that's a controversial issue there, but I think people oftentimes deal with the polarization of that, of being killed by their regrets and burdened under guilt and remorse and and, and so many bad things. And yet over here on the, no regrets, I see people who are not really, um, they're not paying attention to some of the things that they've done that that did hurt them, that did hurt other people. I there, there's one. So I don't know if you've got insight onto how your dad dealt with that necessarily, or just your own perspective, Tom.
1: At the end of his life, uh, dad would say, you know, I have no regrets. I wouldn't change anything. Hmm. Um, and that's because he would look, okay. he would, he had two things. Okay. Uh, he had grace, he had forgiveness, yeah. uh, and which he fully embraced. Uh, and he wouldn't want to take the chance of anything turning out differently than it did. And, and we all have to go through pain in and this life. I, I understand mean, that. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I think if you, would, if you were to ask him, hey, are there any specific uh, places where you might have done something differently? <laughs> yeah. I think like all of us, he would be like, well, yeah, as long as it doesn't change the final outcome. Sure, sure. And you've it's, told me that. You shared business things that he did where he
0: made big decisions. Like you, you mentioned that earlier in the show where he would just make an instant th- a decision. And- Gosh, I mean, I remember times when I first knew you, and you're still working with him. And you're on gosh, yeah we we got a we got a little debacle here on something that didn't go as planned. Um, I don't know that you would go back and do that, but you learned from it. I get that. It's a you know, it, it's a, I think God often works in the tension. It's not a perfect black and white.
1: And that's this is really a, a good topic for right now uh, with the situation we're in uh, with the pandemic and. Mm-hmm you know, there's a thing called PTSD, post-traumatic stress. There's also something we've talked about uh, more recently, which is PTG, which is post-traumatic growth. And what that really means is, is that trauma, whether it's emotional, physical, you, you're, you're injured physically or emotionally watch it, or fear, anxiety, worry, uh, all the different things that can, can kind of pile on, it depends on your mindset and your belief about how it's happening. And you can literally two different people can go through the same experience yeah. and one of them can use it as a springboard to elevate them to the next level in life and the other one it 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 literally debilitates and keeps them from progressing. And the interesting thing is is it's not right or wrong, it's just that we all have an unbelievable amount of uh, power and control in our own mind if we know and we choose to use it to sculpt eat that event into something that ends up being positive and beneficial
0: yeah
1: not that the event is positive and, and beneficial because it's not right yeah but w- how it shapes us and what we learn out of it can be positive and so i think as dad in his life began to understand that hey, I can't control anything else other than what I do and what I think, is that became kind of the way he lived life. Even when he was in the midst of the storm, uh, he was constantly reshaping it in his mind. What am I learning? What am I learning? How can I use it? And the people who have the biggest impact on other people today, they usually have been wounded in the way that they go and help others who are going through that situation. Yeah, Right? I mean, it's just the way humans are it's it's the way we were created and so it's you know he, as he is he is he grew would he change stuff you know probably he, he'd like to make some different decisions if it didn't change the outcome but i have to tell you you know it's like every day for him was like man today is awesome can you imagine how much better tomorrow's going to be because look at what i've learned today and it almost didn't matter how good or how bad the day was um, yeah. now when it came to my sister uh losing susie i think you get a totally different answer yeah right but you should yeah well you know
0: we had i did a show a couple days ago that we live streamed on facebook as we're doing this one with guy kawasaki uh the episode won't come out for a while but he wrote the book wise guy and he's he's, he's written 15 books or so, but that's his most recent one. But in that he basically is just going along telling stories, but the lessons that he learned from that. And we talked about that. Uh, David Meltzer is a guy that I interviewed on the show probably a year ago or so. And he talked about lessons as well, but I love the way that he put it, that there's sometimes things that we keep repeating over and over because we haven't learned the lesson. Uh, It really brought me more, Uh, gave me more focus on the things that have happened in my life, especially some of the negative things. And what is the lesson that I learned? Because I need to learn one. Because if I don't, it's not going to redeem itself. So what is that lesson? And going back to your having the deepest grace right now, Tom, I'm trying to be more cognizant of that. And the next day where I do something that I think that's not, that wasn't the best decision. Um, I'm not, not grateful I did that, but what can I learn from it? So I can redeem that. I love the word redemption and there i do think is the opportunity to into some to, to in essence not have specific regrets even though there may be some things i i wouldn't do the same way uh yeah as long as it didn't change the outcome of what i appreciate today Friends, I trust you got as much out of this show as I did. It's just so insightful where people would really like help in their lives from a source that they trust. What you heard today was, again, half of what Tom and I covered, part two, coming up in episode 792, so you can look forward to that. Coming up in our next episode, number 791, self-care is community care. Listen to this, it's a quote. Self-care is community care. If you don't care for yourself, you take it out on other people. That's the phrase that jumped out at me as I asked Adrienne Bankert about her healthy habits. She responded with a statement after I asked her about her habits and the personal spoke. I feel it is just a significant paradigm shift on self-care and I find it just to be so true. When I have poured myself out and not filled back up, others suffer. And you know, even if I don't take it out on them in a negative way, but I just have less to offer them. They're not getting my best. Uh, at the idea of a listener, I'm expanding on the Habits show to ask some deeper questions as well, such as in this show, we start off with Adrienne talking about the key habits and routines she just values most for herself. Uh, if you didn't catch it, Adrienne Bankert is a national correspondent for ABC News and my guest in episode 789, where we discussed the very acute success strategy of Kindness the topic of her new book, Your Hidden Superpower, the kindness that makes you unbeatable at work and connects you with anyone. So episode 791, that's what's coming up. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.